It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is June 6, 2019. My name is Philip Rossenreich. I'm the expert and site editor over at orlandomagicdaily.com. Of course, follow me on Twitter at philiprr underscore omd. On today's episode of Locked On Magic, we're going to talk about Game 3 of the NBA Finals. As we continue our finals recap, because, you know, at the end of the day, this is all about winning the championship. So we'll talk about what's going on in the actual championship series. And then we're going to close out today talking about Team USA and why Aaron Gordon should definitely be on Team USA. And I'm not joking. that This is serious. He should be on Team USA. I'll explain my reasoning there and why he at least deserves a tryout, um, or at least in the training camp portion that's coming up here uh, at the beginning of August. But before we do any of that, I do want to remind you all that you can check out all the great podcasts on the Locked On Podcast Network by searching on iTunes for Locked On and the team you're looking for. Just like there's a podcast covering the Orlando Magic with excruciating detail, there's a podcast covering every single team in the NBA with the same level of care and detail that we do here on Locked On Magic. You get uh, opinions and analysis from local experts who cover their teams ex- almost exclusively. For the lo- I- I'm going to give you my thoughts on the NBA Finals, but honestly, I cannot do as good of a job covering the NBA Finals as the guys over at Locked On Raptors and Locked On Warriors do. Those guys know their teams really well and will give you much more detail and much more kind of precise analysis than I can give you. And all I can do is, well, I think my opinion is good and my observations are good. I don't have the context that maybe they do at Locked On Raptors or Locked On Warriors. So I highly suggest for the rest of the NBA Finals, at the very least, you download those two podcasts and listen to them every day to get your finals fixed. You can also check out Locked On NBA, as well as Locked On Fantasy Basketball to get the national perspective, too. The Locked On Podcast Network has MLB, NFL, NBA, and college podcasts, too. Be sure to check it out. You can download them all on iTunes. Search for Locked On and the team you're looking for, or check them out on the Himalaya app. The Himalaya app is a new app that allows you to download podcasts directly to your device, of course, but also provide suggestions based off, uh, based off podcasts you're interested in and listening to as well as the ability to follow podcasts so you never miss a podcast again. Check it all out on the Himalaya app, the home of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Golden State Warriors um, have kind of cast a spell over the entire league. And, And honestly, I love watching the Golden State Warriors play. They are just simply mesmerizing. Uh, you, you never feel like they're completely out of a game. You never feel like 
they're uh, they're the underdogs in any game. They are the favorites every single time. And and a part of it is the massive amount of talent they have, but the other part of it is everything just seems to work. It it it, it they feel extremely impenetrable as far as what you can do to beat them. I mean, I think I even said in this series that really the only way Toronto beats Golden State is if Golden State turns the ball over a lot, which they do from time to time. And especially if Kevin Durant came back, then I, I, I just didn't see how Toronto could match up with them uh, in a way that, that's advantageous to them. And so that's obviously a, a big piece of this puzzle. Uh, for the for the the Toronto for the Golden State for the Toronto Raptors to solve and for the Golden State Warriors, but the Warriors, I would I would say, and, and I've taken some flack for this, but but I don't think it's wrong. This is the weakest Warriors team of the five of this five year run going to the finals. I, I and I don't think it's close. Even with Durant, I think this is the weakest Warriors team. Cousins is not fully healthy, and even before the the recent injury, he wasn't fully healthy. They lack a lot of the bench depth that they've had before. Andre Iguodala is is still a very good defender and, and a quality player, but not the same reliable offensive player. Sean Livingston has started to look his age a little bit, um, I hate to say, because uh, Sean Livingston's story is, is truly inspiring, and, and sp- it's been special watching him play on this run. But he's not the same guy and hasn't produced certainly at the same level, and Warriors were relying on a lot of young players that, that are still very unproven, and while some have stepped up, it's been inconsistent to say the least. So when you do all that and add in the injury to Durant, the in, you know Cousins' injury as, as much as he was limited, Kevon Looney's injury, and now Klay Thompson's injury as he missed Game 3, you've got an issue. And I think what was interesting about watching Game 3, which the Raptors, of course, won 123-109, to was it was the first time in a long time that it felt like the Warriors were chasing. Let me say this unequivocally here, because I think I'm going to spend a lot of time focusing on, on the Warriors' side of things, because I think it's just a little bit more interesting. So let me make this perfectly clear. The Toronto Raptors are a better team than the Golden State Warriors right now. I think I said it out during my recap of Game 2 a few days ago. The Raptors have to had to feel good, even in a 1-1 series. Because they took a, a big punch from the Warriors in Game 2. An 18-0 run. And yes, Klay Thompson got hurt, and that was a big reason why they came back. But they came back and nearly took that game. Honestly, if you're Toronto, you've got to feel like you should be up 3-0 right now. And I think 2-1 is the fair result, so so don't get me wrong there. But I I just feel like this needs to be made perfectly clear. Toronto is the better team right now. They were flying around, blocking shots in transition. They were forcing the Warriors to to scratch and claw just to stay in the game. It took Stephen Curry scoring 45 just to keep this game close. And, And I think even Mark Jackson and Jeff Van Gundy said on the broadcast, the Warriors team we saw out on the floor in Game 3 doesn't make the playoffs in the Western Conference. I don't know if I go that far. Certainly, if you play the Raptors every single night, you're not making the Western Conference playoffs, but that team isn't the Golden State Warriors that we know. 
Unfortunately, it's the Golden State Warriors that they had to play with, and and and, and that that's what these series do. And and one of the reasons why I am for a regular season trophy or 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 some type of other trophy because the Warriors have been fantastic all year. Not that the Warriors would have won this because I think the Bucks would have won the regular season trophy. Um, there's a there's got to be a way to recognize greatness and, and not give in to kind of the randomness of these playoff series and tournaments. But the bottom line is this: the Warriors had to scratch and claw. They had to fight and and try and keep themselves in this game. And and Steve Kerr said it after the game: they just never could get over the hump. Every time Golden State made a charge at the lead, and they made several charges at this lead, Toronto made plays to stop them. Stop them in their tracks. Stop them cold. Whether it was Danny Green hitting a couple threes, or Fred Van Vliet hitting a couple threes, or Kawhi Leonard taking over, or Kyle Lowry, you know, Kyle Lowry making shots, or Serge Ibaka blocking shots. He had five blocks in this game, if I'm not mistaken. No matter what it was, Toronto made the plays every time they had to. When Golden State got it down under 10, Toronto pushed back. Got it back out to 12, 15. I think Golden State got it to 7 at one point in the third quarter. It's back out to 15 very, very shortly after that. Bottom line is Golden State had only one player they could truly depend on all game, and that was Stephen Curry. Their defense was as inconsistent as it's been under Steve Kerr. They 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 had moments where they really locked down, and that's when they, they cut into the deficit. And Draymond Green had some fantastic passing. They were able to play classic Warriors basketball, do a Curry-Green pick-and-roll uh, they double Curry. He slips it to Green, and Green's playing four on three, and and he's able to lob it to Iguodala or find someone else. But Golden State just doesn't have the offensive firepower without without Clay Thompson out there. The, the floor just isn't spread enough, and this is where their depth issue comes in. And, and teams are going to struggle if you're missing two starters anyway. But the Warriors just aren't the same team. They aren't, and. It showed in this game. Because Toronto wasn't at their best all game. They won 123-109. They torched Golden State's defense. and defend, But Toronto's defense, honestly, there were moments where they were lazy. I saw some, some times where Marc Gasol was, was kind of jogging up the floor and allowed a Draymond Green to get to the basket or Stephen Curry to get to the basket. But it still came down to that margin of error. It still came down to that little bit. It's something I talked about a lot with the Magic, that the Magic's margin for error was so small that if you know Nikola Vucevic is a, a, an, a half inch, a half step off his mark, he's beaten. And there is no recovering for him. He's got to be on his spot. If you know Terrence Ross has a bad shooting night, the Magic bench dies. The Magic's margin for error all year was incredibly small, and a lot of the task of the Magic's season was figuring out how to shrink that margin of error or how to widen that margin of error, excuse me, so that they, they could make some mistakes. Golden State had no margin for error in this game. And it's, I think that's the first time we can really say that about Golden State, that they couldn't get away with their high turnovers. They had six, they had 15 turnovers in the game. Toronto had 16. Toronto did not play a good game here. I, I, I think that should be made clear. Toronto was the better team. They did not play a clean game. They got uh, some crazy performances from Danny Green and Kyle Lowry. They did enough. Golden State missed tons of layups. They they missed tons of free throws. 
you know, Stephen Curry had 45 points. No one else really, or 47 points. No one else really picked up the slack. Draymond Green had 17 on six for 14 shooting, four turnovers. Stephen Curry had three turnovers. Andre Iguodala had 11. It's really hard to find good combinations. And frankly, Curry only playing 43 minutes, Draymond Green playing 40 minutes, that's not going to be sustainable for this group. It's about two minutes of garbage time. So, you know, assume that's 45 and 42. That's not going to be sustainable. The good news is this is just one game. It's a 2-1 series in Toronto's favor. And Steve Kerr said they expect to have Klay Thompson back for game four. They will need him. And honestly, I think they still need Kevin Durant. Maybe not a healthy Kevin Durant. They, they need Kevin Durant just to keep Toronto's defense honest, to give them another guy they have to cover, another guy they have to worry about so that they can free up other players. Because right now, it's just Steph. Without Clay on the floor, it's just Stephen Curry. Because Iguodala is not hitting shots. Green's not hitting shots. Green was two for six from beyond the arc. Iguodala is two for six from beyond the arc. They ain't scaring anybody. Especially when Toronto can, can have the firepower that they have. Golden State is chasing this series now. This isn't like the Oklahoma City series from, from a few years back where it was like Golden, you know, Golden State's on the ropes, but they got they can get this. And Clay Thompson had that crazy game six. This isn't like that, I don't think. I think Toronto's got them on the ropes. I think Toronto has them chasing, has them, you know, playing from behind in a way that Golden State hasn't had to in a very, very long time. And it goes without saying that Game 4 is a must-win for Golden State. They cannot go back to Toronto down 3-1 because they will lose Game 5 if that happens. Game 4 is Friday night at 9 o'clock up in Oakland. That'll be, of course, on ABC. We'll talk about that game. Uh, We'll probably talk about that game uh, on Monday's episode of Locked on Magic since Game 5 is Monday, so you'll have that to look forward to. But now let's talk a little bit about the Orlando Magic. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. For basketball junkies like me, this summer is is something we've been waiting for. Not just for the free free agency bonanza, but finally we're going to have the FIBA World Cup. Um, FIBA, in their infinite wisdom, didn't want to match their World Cup with the FIFA World Cup, and so they moved it to an off year. Um, they did a long qualifying process, which I followed for some reason. Um, Jeff Van Gundy coached a team of, of G-leaguers, essentially, to, to, to qualify for the World Cup. Did a great job with it. Um, there are several, I think, uh, several players of interest for the, ma- for the, for the Magic that, that, play, that played, played on that team. I think uh, Rodney Purvis played on that team uh, for a little while. Um, and, and so, you know, getting to this point was inevitable, but also kind of done in the background. This, this is the forgotten tournament, at least in the U.S. Most people in the U.S. focus on the Olympics rather than the World Cup. But we will get high-level basketball in August this year. 
Um, in early August, Team USA will gather in Las Vegas for their training camp. They'll play some exhibition games. They'll head over to China, and we will get basketball in our living rooms. For those that care, Montenegro did qualify as well, um, and Nikola Vucevic, uh, I believe, is, has told various outlets that he's going to make a decision about playing after free agency is completed. He's kind of focused on free agency at the moment. Um, Evan Fournier kind of had a falling out with France uh, after the Olympics. Um, it was his free agency year. He didn't want to commit until after his free agency was was done. The coach pretty much said, okay, then you're off the team, even though he then allowed Nicholas Batum to join the team after his free agency, and that had Evan a little angry. So it's not clear if Evan Fournier will play for France at the World Cup either. But there is one player that I think should be, one Magic player that should be at the World Cup. Someone, or at least be given the chance to make the team. It's an idea that, I, that I've been floating around for a while since, since I know that this summer is a World Cup summer. Uh, and, and, and someone that I think would really fit what the team needs. Because the team's got plenty of star players. What they need is a defensive-minded guy who can shoot, who can play multiple positions, defend multiple, multiple positions, and you know, somewhat be their Draymond Green, since Draymond Green's probably not going to play, having done his duty uh, at the at the at the at the uh, 2014 World Champion or at the 2016 Olympics, and that's Aaron Gordon. Aaron Gordon has had a long history playing for Team USA. Played for the U19 team as a as a high school senior, and won the MVP. Was the MVP of that tournament, leading the team in scoring at about 12.9 points per game, on a team that featured Jaleel Okafor, Marcus Smart. Justice Winslow, and of course, Alfred Pate. It's a big moment for him. He was, you know, made the McDonald's All-American team, was a freshman in Arizona, eventually fourth overall pick in the NBA draft. He's clearly someone that succeeded at, at FIFA, in FIBA basketball and has, you know, grown his game tremendously. In the run-up to the 2016 Olympics, Aaron Gordon was selected to be a member of the select team. The select team is essentially the young players that, that the team gathers together to help the senior team, the, the main team, train. And it's supposed to keep young guys in the system. Already, it's being reported that Zion Williamson, John Collins, and Marvin Bagley will be among those on the select team. I would also be pushing very heavily to get Jonathan Isaac on the select team. I think that, that he should definitely be on that team. It's a 10-player team. Um, so I would definitely hope that Isaac makes that team and is in Vegas in early August. So Aaron Gordon's done his time. He's been a, a loyal member of Team USA Basketball for several years, for several outings. And the question is, has he risen to the level of the senior national team? Now, most people would say, oh, it's the U.S. national team. They just take the best stars. But that hasn't been the case, actually. Yes, there are the top guys. You're Kobe Bryant, you're LeBron James, you're Dwayne Wade, you're, you know, so on and so forth. Top guys go to this tournament. There will be all-stars on this tournament. Damian Lillard, Kemba Walker, C.J. McCollum. Although I guess C.J. McCollum hasn't been named an all-star yet, but he should be. There will be top guys in this tournament. But at least under Coach K, under Mike Krzyzewski, they also named several role players. And, And a lot of these role players ended up being key members of the team. Tyson Chandler was a key member uh, of, of one of the world, world championship teams. 
Kenneth Fareed played a vital role for the 2014 in the 2014 World Cup. Andre Iguodala was a key defensive play, presence during the 2012 Olympics and the 2010 World Championships. Tayshawn Prince played key minutes for the 2008 Olympic team, just giving them a little bit of a defensive boost, kind of keeping their energy up defensively in practice. Especially those teams, those early Coach K teams. The idea was they're going to hound you defensively because they can go 12 deep when other teams can't. And so finding guys who could shoot the ball and defend at a high level were at a premium to run this trapping defense. That's very much the mode of, of what Team USA has done over the last 15 years. It's not quite clear what Greg Popovich wants. This will be the first year that Greg Popovich is coaching Team USA. But I have to say, Aaron Gordon seems to fit that bill. Aaron Gordon, to me, is a guy who, you know, at the beginning of training camp this year, you know, said, I want to be on the all-defensive team. Who took, you know, took offense to not getting a single vote for the all-defensive team. Went to bat for his teammates when they got snubbed on awards. And, you know, a lot of that has to do with media and everything else. But the Magic had the eighth best defense in the, in the, in the league this year. They were good defensively. Steve Clifford trusted no one more defensively than Aaron Gordon. Trusted no player on the team more than Aaron Gordon, in my estimation. He played the most minutes per game of any player. He, you know, was always guarding the top guy on the other team, even with Jonathan Isaac there, who's a pretty good defender himself. Aaron Gordon had a breakout, had a, had a stellar year this year. Honestly, I would say a career year. His scoring average went down, sure, but his efficiency went up. He had shot a career-high three-point percentage at 34.9%. He was a, a much better defender, kind of got back to his defensive roots, added a passing. And so like I said, he, he can be your sort of discount Draymond Green. And throughout the year, he did a very good job keeping to his shot selection, you know, watching his shot selection, and fitting into the team. Playing on Team USA, where his role is essentially run the floor in transition, which we all know he's very good at, defend at a high level, you know, even focus solely on defense for the five minutes I'm going to throw you out there per game. Do that and you will be successful. You will make plays. How is that role not built for Aaron Gordon? How is Aaron Gordon not the right guy to fill that role? To be that guy? Now, maybe he's not a consistent enough three-point shooter. And, and again, the feeble line is a little bit closer than the NBA line. But that would be a fair criticism. I'm not saying Aaron Gordon should make the team. All I'm saying is he should be on the 18-man roster that tries out in Las Vegas to have a chance to make that roster of 12. I believe it's 12. To have a chance to be on Team USA. I think he's earned it. I think he'd be a perfect fit. But names of the, of the players that are going to be on this list of this 18-man player pool to try out for Team USA in early August in Las Vegas has started to come out, and Aaron Gordon's name is not on it. There are the names you'd expect. Anthony Davis, Kemba Walker, James Harden, Donovan Mitchell, uh, Bradley Beal, Damian Lillard. Kevin Love's on that list. I'm cool with that. CJ McCollum, all-star Chris Middleton, LaMarcus Aldridge, Andre Drummond, and, and a young guy that I think is interesting, Jason Tatum. There's some names you might not expect that, that are a little bit specialists, 
Eric Gordon, great three-point shooter. He's been on he's been on Team USA before. He'd he'd be a good I think he'd be a fine addition. Brooke Lopez coming off a fantastic season for the Milwaukee Bucks as a shooting center. Very rare very, very rare thing, but a guy who would adapt to the FIBA game where you do have a lot of centers who who spread out the floor like he does. And then you have some names that are a little bit weird. I'm going to go through two that I don't think are super weird cuz like I said, I see Aaron Gordon on Team USA as, as a specialist, as a defensive specialist. And so I'd throw him in the group with these two veteran players. And, and I, I do think that Team USA likes to bring veteran players who, who may not fit the bill of star, but, but again, fill a specific role. Because you, I named all those guys I named, they're all potential all-stars. They're guys that are used to having the ball in their hands. They're not guys that you know play a role in their regular lives for their club teams. But Paul Millsap and P.J. Tucker, who Adrian Wojnarowski reported will be on the list, good defenders, solid players, solid veterans, will set a good tone for the rest of the team. I'm not against that. And I think Aaron Gordon should be kind of thrown into that mix. And if he can't beat them out, so be it. I'd I'd rather have him in the player pool with a chance and say, you know, we just want to go with the veteran. We don't want the the young guy who who might make a few mistakes in, in pressure situations. I mean... Aaron Gordon has not played for a championship since, honestly, since since college, perhaps, um, but since the FIBA U19 tournament that, that they won. So I don't really have a problem with them, because and I think some people did, it's like, oh, Aaron Gordon's better than them, and he might be, but that's not the point. The point is about can you fill the role. You might have noticed I've named 16 players. There's one player on this list that's expected to get an invite that I just scratch my head and be, and I'm like, why? That's Kyle Kuzma. 30% three-point shooter. He's got some big scoring games, plays for the Lakers. There's no reason Aaron Gordon should not be on this list ahead of Kyle Kuzma. There should not be, there's no reason that a bunch of guys should not be ahead of Kyle Kuzma on this list. This feels like people have been watching the NBA on TV and not enough league pass and getting around the league a little bit. Kyle Kuzma's kind of persona non grata among Magic fans. If, if you go to, to the Reddit subreddit page, you'll probably understand why. Um, but this, is, this isn't going to help things. Um, I don't understand what Kuzma gives that Aaron Gordon wouldn't. Gordon's a better scorer. He's a better, not, maybe not a better scorer, maybe not a better pure scorer, but that's not what you're looking for from that role. He's a better shooter. He's a better passer. He's a better defender. He's going to play a role better than Kuzma can. That's my opinion. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe the maybe Lockdown Lakers will disagree with me there. But if Kyle Kuzma is included on this roster, I gotta feel like Aaron Gordon has that last spot, that that unannounced spot. And I think Gordon deserves it. Honestly, I do. I think that he is the perfect player for the FIBA game, able to switch multiple positions, able to. You know, I, I'm comfortable and confident that his shooting will improve, that he'll he'll be able to show up there. He can break guys down a little bit off the dribble. He's not he's not uncomfortable working off the dribble. He's a decent enough passer. He can defend really well. I think he can fill the role that Team USA needs, and that's why I think he's a perfect fit. Kind of a high-ceiling guy that can fit the roster well. But unfortunately, we're not making those decisions. Team USA is, the, the, the organizers there, as well as the coach, Greg Popovich. And, you know, I, I before I go too far off the rails, maybe I already have, and I'm 
certainly making some Homer arguments, and I'll fully admit to that because I think Aaron deserves this. Maybe they asked and invited Aaron Gordon and he declined. It's perfectly possible. Maybe he's decided he wants to work on his on his game individually more than playing high-level games in late August. That's a lot of commitment. You're going to miss a lot of team-building stuff if you go on go to the World Cup. And that's fine. I, I think both are valuable. I don't think there's, there's a wrong answer. But pushing that to the side, I think Aaron Gordon is, is a clear pick here to make Team USA, to, to at least be given the opportunity to make Team USA. I'm not saying he's going to make the team. But I think he is a player that Team USA wants to keep around. I think that he is the kind of player that can succeed at in FIBA games especially. And give him the chance, I think, that he will play at a high level for Team USA. And will be a big part of the reason why they eventually win the gold medal. Which I think we all assume they will. Reportedly, the full list of 18 players invited to Team USA training camp along with the select team, which is a 10-member team that I also expect Jonathan Isaac to be involved in, will be released next week. And of course, we'll keep you updated when that does come out. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. But for now, I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked On Magic. Of course, find us on Twitter at Locked On Magic and subscribe to us on Facebook by searching for Locked On Magic. You can follow me on Twitter at R underscore OMD. And of course, for the latest on the Orlando Magic, be sure to check out orlandomagicdaily.com. Follow us on Twitter there at omagicdaily. Don't forget, too, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, all the fun places to download podcasts to your podcast-enabled listening device, as well as on the Himalaya app. The Himalaya app is the new app that allows you to download podcasts, listen to new podcasts, get suggestions for new podcasts, follow your favorite podcasts, and a whole lot more. Check it out. Himalaya, Himalaya, you're the home of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. That's going to do it for me today, though. I want to thank you all again for listening. For Orlando Magic Daily and Locked On Magic, this has been Philip Rossman-Reich. I'll see you all again next time for another episode of Locked On Magic. You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando Magic podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.